if you have your Bibles with you, we're in we're in Second Peter. We're going to move to the to the the second chapter. Two weeks ago, in fact, we moved to the second chapter uh, here of Second Peter. And as we've moved to this second chapter, right at the start of the second chapter, uh, Peter starts a really a pretty large discussion on false prophets. And we're going to spend actually the next couple of weeks uh, in this subject. But he really starts this big discussion on the the topic of false. Teachers. He starts off at the, at the start of the second chapter and he says, they have always been with us. He talks about the Old Testament era, that they were there in the Old Testament era. There were guys that showed up and claimed to speak for God and to have a message from God. And so he said, the, the false prophets have always been with us. But he says as he starts the second chapter, they're also going to be with us now. They're going to be in the church era, in the church age as well. As, as, we, as we read the New Testament uh, the New Testament tells us, in fact, Jesus tells us, and Peter tells us, and Paul tells us that false teachers and embracing those false teachers will increase in the last days. And that's the consistent message of the New Testament. There are false teachers, those false teachers, and folks that embrace those false teachers, uh, that is going to increase in the last days. I want you to think about it. Think about this today. Uh, in the New Testament, we have a listing of the signs or, or some of the symptoms that are going to be present when the last days are close. Uh, we, we talk about, well, we can see this and we can see that. The Bible gives us uh, some pretty good descriptions of things that are going to happen in the last days. The Bible tells us in the last days that there's going to be an increase in natural disasters. Uh, earthquakes and floods, and, and we watch that as it is unfolding. It, it tells us that there's going to be an increase in wars and fighting. There's going to be an increase on the earth of, of wars, of, of people, of groups, of countries fighting each other. It says not just that, but the rumors of wars, which means this. There's not just going to be wars. There's going to be all this talk about wars, you ever watch the news anymore? Turn on the news channel. It's, it's talking about this aggression and this and that. Not just wars, but rumors of wars. That's going to increase in the last days. Uh, the Bible tells us there's going to be an increase in vileness, uh, just, just straight up wickedness. Uh, the, the men are going to be consumed with materialism, that greed is, is going to motivate us. Those are going to be some of the symptoms of the last day. Uh, the Bible tells us that people are totally going to be out for themselves. Remember a time when someone might care for their neighbor or take care of their neighbor. The Bible says in these last days, people are totally going to be out for themselves. The Bible says kids, children are going to be a mess. They're going to be disobedient. Look, look at the state of our, of our kids today. The Bible says as part of that, in the midst of that, and probably I believe the cause for that, people are going to crave and they're going to seek out false teachers. So it's going to show up in our kids. It's going to show up in, in, our, in our priority set. It's going to show up in what we do, the absence of the truth. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. It says this, For the time will come when they, the church, Christians, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth 
and turn aside to myth. That's Paul writing to Timothy. He says in those last days, they're not going to want to hear the truth. They're going to want to hear something more appeasing than the truth, more appealing than the truth, and they're going to turn away from the truth, and they're going to embrace a lie. Men, we are in those days. I don't, I don't, I don't know if, what it would take for us to wake up do you understand? Do you see the signs? These, these are the signs of the last days. Men, we are in those days. We are living in those last days. Man, that ought to make our ears perk up. That ought, that ought to change a few things. According to God's word, we're in those last days. I, I said it two weeks ago. The biggest need in these days, the biggest need in our lives and, and where you're sitting today, the biggest need in your personal life, the biggest need in your home, the biggest need in, in your marriage relationship, the biggest need, and we might not have guessed this, but in the churches today, in the church today, the biggest need is the truth. God's truth, the biblical truth. The biggest need today is the truth. Well, what about this social justice issue? Well, what about this thing? What about that thing? Listen to me. The biggest need today in your life, in our homes, in our churches is God's truth, the biblical truth. Be sure and hear me today. The battle is on. The battle is escalating. And I'll just tell you, I, I truly believe this. We're losing the battle. We're losing the battle. And you say, well, well, of course we are up in liberal New York. But I think we are in, in liberal Seattle somewhere, maybe out in liberal California. I want to tell you, we're losing the battle in Vernon, Texas. The battle is escalating. There's a battle that's raging, and we are losing the battle. Gallup poll, 2017, very recent poll says this, in American history, this is a record all-time low. Gallup poll 2017, this past year, 24% of Americans believe that the Bible is the actual literal word of God. Now what that means is this, 76% of Americans believe it's something else. 76% of Americans think, well, it's, it's a, good, a book of morals or it's a, a book of, of things that tell us how to live better, just some take by men or some crafting of men that is something other than the word of God. In America today, 24% of Americans believe this is the word of God. Now, I want to tell you what's more frightening than that. That's terrible. That's frightening. But as you can imagine, even lower are the statistics among our young people. Another statistic, another survey taken very recently says of the millennial generation, our young people today, only, this is, the low, this is a low point, only one in three report to be born again followers of Jesus Christ. There was a time when you can ask a hoodlum and a heathen if they believed in Jesus Christ and they may not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but they would have told you, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Only 33%, one in three of our, of our kids today will say that they are a born again follower of Jesus Christ. They passed out a survey and the survey had a bunch of questions talking about what is a marriage? Who can participate in a marriage? What about work ethic? What about these things? And, and, and this survey of questions from that, from this series of questions passed out to millennials, here's the determination. Only 4% have 
have a worldview that is shaped or formed by the Bible. Now what that means is 96% of the millennial generation has embraced some other truth than God's own truth. 96% of our kids that are growing up that are gonna lead homes, that are gonna open businesses, that are gonna vote in elections, that are gonna be in our churches have endorsed that there's some other truth than God's word. Only 4% says this is what God says and so this is how I structure my life. That's our future. We are in those days. Now, here's the truth today. False teachers are capitalizing on that. False teachers are, are taking advantage of that. False teachers are fueling that. And in doing so, they are leading people to absolute destruction. Well, what's the big deal? Well, they believe that. Why, why does it matter if we get it exactly right? Who cares what they say as long as we know what we say? Listen to me. They're leading people to absolute destruction. This week and the next two weeks, as we, as we move through this chapter, Peter is going to continue on this discussion. And that ought to tell us something. It's a big deal. Peter's going to talk last week, this week, and the next two weeks about this discussion on false teachers. Today we're going to see in our verses the fate of, of false teachers, the fate of false teachers. Now, it seems like, well, I don't know if this applies to me or not, but it is a biblical truth that we need to know. It is a biblical truth that we need to establish. Today from our verses, we're going to see the fate of false teachers. Second Peter chapter 2, I'm going to begin halfway through the third verse and continue through verse 9. I'll read that together and then we'll come back and look at those verses. Verse 3 says, And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to the pits of darkness reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. And if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly lives thereafter. And if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard that righteous man, while living among them, felt, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. Verse 9. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under, under punishment for the day of judgment. All right, let's, let's look at our verses today. I'm gonna start off again with that second half of verse three. He, he now here uh, for two and a half verses has, has told the truth that false teachers have existed. False teachers exist now in the church age. He now has told them and established that false teachers, the first two and a half verses, are going to be among you. That's a big deal. Listen, they're going to be among you. They're not going to be outside. They're going to come up in the midst of you. They're going to show up, some of them in your churches. Some of them are going to show up in the radio that you listen to. They're going to be among you. He says they're not only going to be among you, but, but more dangerous than that, most dangerous, they're going to introduce destructive heresies. Heresies, we saw it two weeks ago. That is the introduction of their opinion 
as opposed to God's truth. And so that's a person saying, you know what? God says I've created each of a male and female. That's somebody saying, you know what? I don't know if I believe that or not. We might have a third gender. And they introduce their opinion instead of God's truth. You can pick your area on that. And so they come and they introduce their, their opinion. And the Bible says it leads to destruction. That's not a joke. That's not something to say, well, in, in, in the name of political correctness, we can, we can accept that. It leads to literal, actual destruction. So he's told about this, told they're going to show up. Well, now he tells about their fate. Again, listen as I start in the second half of the third verse, and, and we're going to look at it piece by piece. Those folks, those that do that, those that feed that, their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. At the very start, he says their, their, their judgment from long ago. At the very start, Satan shows up and he twists the truth. He distorts the truth. Remember the account there in the Garden of Eden? He says, did God truly say? Eve says, well, God has said this. He says, did, did God truly say that? Well, from that very first event, his and any other person that would distort the truth, for them, their fate has been sealed. And so this verse says here, their judgment is not idle. Their destruction, listen to this, their destruction is not asleep. Peter, Peter says this, it may seem like they're prospering. It may seem like they're, they're swinging public opinion. It may seem like they're, they're maybe even right. And maybe, maybe there's something to, to listen to them. It may seem like they're making all the gains, but he says this, their destruction is not asleep. In fact, it is awake. Be sure, hear me today, this is a biblical truth. Those who unrepentantly distort the truth will face eternal judgment and eternal damnation. That's what Peter says. Those who come and they distort the truth, it, God's judgment hasn't gone to sleep somewhere. He's not become distracted and cast a blind eye. Their judgment waits. It is awake. It is not asleep. And they will face eternal damnation. Be sure of that. God sees. God, God knows. And even right now as his anger is being withheld, there will be a day when it will be poured out. And those false teachers, God says, will pay. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? I, I, I was thinking about that this morning. The truth that saves, the truth that saves, here's a person and they're, they're stuck in their sin and they're struggling and they're being just eaten, eaten alive by the, the, the situation of the world, the situation of life, the truth that saves, the truth that was going to be their hope, the truth that would have led them to Jesus Christ, and you distorted that truth. The gospel, the power of God and the salvation that was there for them, preserved for them, the truth that saves, and you took it and you used it for your own gain. You robbed it from them. You distorted it. And you led people to destruction. And those people whose redemption was bought through the cross of Calvary, through our Savior's blood, their redemption is bought. You distorted the truth and you led them to their demise. And now you face the judge. Can you imagine that? 
Can you imagine that? They face the judge. It is not idle, has not gone to sleep. His judgment and their destruction await. Heavy stuff. Verse 4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment. Verse 4, he's going to give us some examples here. Uh, remember, the, remember the story, a third of the angels rebelled and they turned against God? Well, it tells us, if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them into pits of darkness reserved for judgment. Verse 5, and did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah a preacher of righteousness with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. Here, here in verse 5, he talks about Noah and the, and the flood there. I, I read that verse, and it's almost laughable. Uh, the, the Rainbow Coalition today, those, those folks have missed the picture, and they take the rainbow, and they say it's a sign of, of God's acceptance or of people's acceptance or the world's acceptance, and, and look at all the colors of the rainbow, and it's, it's a sign of acceptance. Listen, the rainbow is a sign of, of judgment. God, God saves those righteous people. He saves Noah and these others. But for those unrighteous people, what the rainbow means is this. They went to the top of a mountain and they climbed to the top of a tree and they held their kids over their head until the water went over them and they sucked air and died. That's the truth of the rainbow. It's a sign of, of God's judgment. He's promised not to do it that way again, but he's telling us here, if he didn't do it, if he didn't hold it back from them, verse six, and if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who live ungodly lives thereafter. Now, I think it's interesting that verse says, an example to those who live ungodly lives. Isn't it funny, this many years later, we still talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. We talk about sodomites and we talk about sodomy and we talk about the, the penalty and, and no one's forgot about the account. And so it's an example for those who would live unrighteous lives. Listen to verses 7 and 8. And if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. Peter says here, remember, God will judge. Peter says here, be sure God will Judge. He says here he hasn't gone to sleep. It hasn't been lifted off of him. He's held it up right now. He's patient, but there's going to be a day when it's poured out. And he says, think about the angels. Think about those that died in the day of Noah. It's trying to hold on the breath for air. Think about these at Sodom and Gomorrah that, that were absolutely annihilated. He says, God will judge. Listen to me. God will judge. God will judge. Think about those examples for just a second. I read through it and you think, well, I understand the accounts, but think about those examples. The angels wanted to exalt themselves and be like God. Remember the account? Satan, Satan's the head one. Lucifer's the head one. He decides, you know what? I, 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 I'm pretty impressive. I, I want to be like God myself. The angels wanted to exalt themselves and be like God. The wicked here in Noah's day, they wanted to make themselves the priority and they wanted to live like there was no God. That's their story. They didn't, they didn't care about that. They wanted to live like there was no God. I'll, I'll do what I want to do. 
Think about the residents of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. They wanted to satisfy themselves, their sensual selves, and they wanted to distort the purpose of God. God says you're built this way and it's my plan. They wanted to distort that and satisfy themselves. Think about all of those examples. In all of them, they were worshiping the God of self. It's about me. It's no different from the false teachers today. And I think about that. It's no, it's no different from these that are false teachers today. They exalt themselves like the angels. They prioritize themselves like they did in the day of Noah. They want to satisfy themselves as they did in Sodom and Gomorrah. It's the same God of self. And it is the same God's judgment waits. God's judgment, his destruction Wait. Now let me ask this. What is this showing? Next week we're going to talk about a description of these false teachers, these prophets, and you're going to recognize a bunch of folks. But what is this showing today? What, what is Peter saying today? Why, why is Peter saying this today to them? Why are we reading it today? And I, and I read that and think, well, maybe it's to, de- to deter false teachers. Maybe this is in here that, that it would deter those that would be false teachers. I want to tell you, I don't think so. Maybe it's to keep some from going that way. Maybe somebody says, you know what, that looks like a lucrative way. That looks like a way to self-promote. And, and I see this and I read this and I'll go a different way. Maybe it's to keep some from going that way. I don't think so. I think it is to make clear God's stance on the truth. That's why I believe this is here. I believe it's God making clear his stance on the truth. You see, it is the truth that he proclaims, God. It is the truth that he speaks, God. It is his truth. It is the truth that reveals him. That's why he's worried about it. It is the truth that reveals him. It is the truth that saves us, sinful people. And so I think he's showing us here how serious he holds the truth. Understand this. It is the truth that must be embraced today. It is the truth that must be preached today. It is the truth that we must defend today because in the truth, we're going to see our Savior, Jesus Christ. I think God was saying, do not mess with the truth. Those who distort it and those who profit from it, God says this, they're going to be destroyed. I believe this is to reveal his stance on the truth. Look at verse 9. Then the Lord knows how to rescue. This is a pretty interesting verse. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly Rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. Now, what that ninth verse means is this God will judge the wicked. God will judge the wicked. Be sure it is sure and it is coming. God will judge the wicked. But the verse also points to something else here God also knows how to preserve his own. God also knows how to save his own. You know, you know the truth? Lot sinned. Lot sinned. Read the account of Lot. Lot sinned. It says he was a righteous man. Lot sinned. You know what his, his uncle, Abraham? Abraham sinned. He did some terrible things. Abraham, the, the great man of faith, the, the one that we point to, he, he sinned. Noah, great Noah. Noah, one of the ones there on the ark. Noah sinned. But they believed in God for their salvation. 
You see, these were sinful men, but they believed in God for their salvation. They believed that that God would send their Savior, a Messiah would come. And because they believed in that, it was counted for them as righteousness. And in that, God preserved them. Pretty interesting verse, this ninth verse. Now, why does the truth matter? Because that's the truth. God has made a way for sinners. That's the truth that we're preserving. God has made a way for you and God has made a way for me. And the truth is, though we are not righteous, you're not righteous, I'm not righteous, through Jesus Christ, we become, we take on the righteousness of him and we are preserved from the coming judgment of God. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. Why do we care? Why do we stand? Why would we fight for this truth? It's because God has made a provision for an unrighteous man through our righteous Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, where you're sitting, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, that's the truth. That's the truth. Today in your sin, you're separated from God. Today in your sin, you're condemned already. You're waiting the wrath that's stored up. It is coming. It is surely coming. Truth of the good news of the gospel is this. He's made a way for you through his son, Jesus Christ. He paid the penalty on the cross of Calvary. That's the truth. If you've never put your faith in Christ, do it today. If you've never said, you know what, my hope is not in me and my works and my church attendance, my ability to change anything. My hope alone is in Jesus Christ. If you've never made that, if you've never called out to him for forgiveness and professed him as your Lord, do that today. That is your truth. Second thing is this. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, same call last week, same call the week before that. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, it is time for a generation of men to stand up for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To defend the gospel of Jesus Christ to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. What are you going to do? Work a job, make a lot of money and and get in a casket and be gone and hope they they talk good things about you? It's not going to happen. They're going to forget you. The thing that needs to happen is we need to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the men in this room, we need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is hope in a risen Savior. There is a way for unrighteous people to be saved. That is the truth. If you've put your faith in Christ let us be the men that would stand for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, I'll lead us in a word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, and I'm thankful for you, and I'm thankful that you made a way for my salvation through my Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the blood of Christ that through that blood that I am given the righteousness of Christ, I didn't earn it, I do not deserve it, but you give it to me as a sinner by faith. I'm thankful for that truth. I know that the whole world hinges, changes, eternities pivot upon that truth. I'm thankful for that truth. I, I pray thanking you for my salvation, but I also pray for some that have not put their faith in Christ. I pray that they would receive the Savior, the truth, Jesus. I pray now as I look across this room that that men today wouldn't become so enamored with the garbage and the crud of this world, wouldn't become so distracted, wouldn't become so apathetic that we could take up a greater cause than the cause of Jesus Christ. I pray that we would go out of here and we would talk different. 
and we would act different. We would do business differently. We would treat our wives differently. Most of all, with a settled faith in Jesus Christ, we would tell a lost and dying world of our Savior. Don't let us just come and go, Lord. Change our hearts. Impact us. Impress it upon us. Your truth still stands. By the grace of God, we hold your truth. Let us share that truth. We love you and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.